My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Week in Review. Thank you, folks, for joining us this week as we look at the week's best interviews in oil and gas, the Crude Life Week in Review. Of course, so many of you know that the oil and gas industry goes well beyond the well site, from the truckers to the cafe workers. The oil and gas industry is a big community, and we here at the Crude Life love everything about it, the capitalism, the essence of capitalism that the Crude Life brings. And this week, let's take a look at who we have. William Prentice with our weekly Davis Refinery update. The Davis Refinery being constructed in Belfield, North Dakota, in the Bakken oil fields, first greenfield refinery to be constructed in the United States in over 40 years we have a weekly update in this week. William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. Daniel Stenberg, McKenzie County Job Development Authority, gives an update from the heart of the Bakken oil field. Talks about an overview of their 300% city growth over the past decade. Stenberg lists local businesses, the ones that have popped up on Main Street, as well as a new school. Looks like that they're going to have built in Watford City at a new airport as well. Plus, single-family homes are needed in Watford City. He also talks about ConocoPhillips, Whiting, Oasis, and One Oak. Their investments happening in Watford City, the heart of the Bakken, McKinsey County Job Development Authorities. Daniel Stenberg joins us here on the program. And then Tessa Sandstrom, North Dakota Petroleum Foundation, talks about a fundraising campaign for their Planting for a Future program. Planting for a Future's goals is to work with wildlife groups, private landowners, industry, and they're creating a large-scale tree and shrub planting program on private land that will serve as a habitat for future generation. Trees and forests are an important resource, providing watershed protection, wildlife habitat, recreational opportunities, and protection for crops, soil, and livestock. Yet it's another example how the energy industry is helping save the planet. All that plus much more on today's episode of the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spees. We're going to take a quick back break and we come back. William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. My name is Jason Spees and this is the Crude Life Week in Review. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we have William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, with our weekly Davis Refinery update. By the way, I should mention that as a result of that interaction, we changed the, the process. We actually improved the process, and we reduced the, the uh, emissions that we were applying for during the process. So the project became cleaner as a result of the Department of Health's involvement. And I think they're proud of that, and they should be. One of the other things that I know has come up from time to time is the location. And I've been following this pretty much from day one. And my understanding is that the zoning and conditional use permit has been issued. Um, the Billings County Board of Commissioners are on board with this. And those are the ones that are there locally. And so I understand, you know, some of the other groups, when they pull out a Google map and a few other things, they can they can look. But 
is that put to bed? Is that is that at all in in what's going on there? I guess you know as far as that location part because I thought that was already put to rest. Well, it is. Um, you know, there are two kinds of permits: there are land use permits um, and environmental permits. We've been we get a lot of press about the air quality thing, and that's uh, that's important, of course. But you know, that's one of the things we have to do to build a project. And in fact, our conditional use permit from the county of Billings uh, specified that that it was only valid if we go out and get all the other permits needed, including the air quality permit. But when you go through the land use process, uh, you're essentially proving to the local agencies that the site you've selected is appropriate for the use that you are trying to establish there, in this case, a refinery. And that's, you know, why they call it a conditional use permit. If you satisfy them that it's a good use for that property and you agree to certain conditions, then you have the right to build your plant there. And that's what we did with the uh, Billings County uh, Board of Commissioners. And that permit was granted in July of 2016. And we have the right to put the refinery on that site and during that process, uh, we went through all of the things that you typically have to. And in our case, we adopted as a standard all of the uh, issues that you have to look at and things you have to satisfy if you were going to put a project in California, which has by far the most rigorous interpretation of those laws. So we did that through the county and uh, including, you know, at the time there was a lot of concern about visual impact from uh, Teddy Roosevelt Park. So we did a lot of line of sight studies and proved pretty conclusively that you cannot, will not see the refinery from the park. Um, you know, that was a pretty uh, contentious subject in and of itself. Uh, and since then, uh, there's been, you know, there have been some people who oppose the refinery that say that we should subject ourselves to a, a siting process through the Public Service Commission. Uh, we do not apply for jurisdiction by the, uh, the Public Service Commission. We're, we're just under their threshold. Uh, it's already something we've dealt with at the county level, so we don't see the need or, or think it's advisable for the PSC to get involved in this entire project. Uh, if we have to, if we decide that we want to expand the project later on, uh, we'll probably have to go to the Public Service Commission to get that done. But right now, everything's been done. All of the land use permits, all of the environmental permits uh, have been received, and the project is going to get built, period. Zoning people. I've talked to Billings County commissioners. I've talked to local residents, and everybody seems to be moving ahead. And then all of a sudden, you get someone in South Carolina that's got a problem, and we got to do something about it. Are you guys just about fed up, or what? <laughs> I guess is probably my question. Um, anyway, well, you know, we get these stories once in a while, and you know, people are out there looking for things to report about, and. So when somebody files another appeal or something like that or expresses a concern, uh, people are people know that there's an interest in hearing about the Davis refinery, so you'll get a story. Um, I kind of look at it as an opportunity to tell our side again. Uh, so, yeah, I, I get kind of tired of going over the same points all the time, uh, especially <laughs> when it's, 
you know, it, like of this recent appeal on the air quality permit, um, you know, we get frustrated by that, and I just wonder why, you know, the same set of facts needs to be looked at over and over and over again. But again, you know, it's another opportunity for us to brag about how clean this refinery is. Uh, it just recently came up that, you know, somebody was very concerned about air pollution at, at the park. And, you know, I nobody paid attention when we brought this up the first time a couple of years ago, but it's very simple to run the numbers and determine that air pollution from the, you know, 700,000 or so cars that visit the TR National Park every year, that air pollution is by far greater than the air pollution that will be caused by the refinery. Um, people are astonished to hear that, but it, it gives us an opportunity to put it in perspective that, yes, this is a brand new kind of refinery, and it does not emit even one-tenth of the emissions of any other refinery in the country. And that was William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is The Crude Life Week in Review. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. And your baby blue eyes. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, Daniel Stenberg with the McKenzie County Job Development Authority. Daniel Stenberg with McKenzie County Economic Development. Otherwise known as Watford City. And, hey, what are some of the other towns, by the way, in your county? I, I know that we always go right to Watford City because it's the heart of the Bakken and it's really kind of the, where most of the economic impact for your county as well as the state is coming from. But uh, are there any other towns in your county? I know sometimes when you get in western North Dakota, it's um, it gets, well, like Billings County, I think, only has like 800 people. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah no, we've got Arnegard and Alexander. They are both uh, um, officially cities. We have other communities like Grassy View, Keene, Mandaree, but those are, um, they, they don't have mayors, they don't have uh, actual city governments. So, so the three city governments in McKenzie County is Watford City, Arnie Garden, and Alexander. It's, it's kind of funny, um, not funny like ha-ha, but just kind of uh, interesting funny how I know all those towns. And you mentioned okay. three of them don't even have mayors. And it's primarily because of like uh, loading stations and maybe emergency sure. service hubs and just that sort of thing. So... Uh, it's really a testament to uh, how well the industry is doing out there that uh, those small towns, three of them not even with mayors, uh, really are somewhat common. I would say it's common. I mean, Arnie Guard, I mean, every, you, you go ask 10 people out and say west of Bismarck about Arnie Guard, and I bet nine out of 10 have know it. 
And uh, you can't do that on the east side of the state. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, what else is going on in Watford City? We want to just do a quick check-in with uh, Mr. Daniel Stenberg, which we like to do, oh, about once a month or check in with Watford City at least because, like you said, it's the, like I said, it's the heart of the Bakken. It's where most of the economic activity is coming. Uh, what's the population? Let's just kind of set the tone for the interview. Over the last 10 years, what's the population growth in Watford City been? Oh, it's, it's nearing 300%, I think. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, the 2010 census had us at maybe 1,400 people, and now we're pushing on 8,000. And, um, yeah, we're really curious as to how the census 2020 will go because um, we we need it to be accurate (laughs) in order to accurately capture all the activity that we've had here because they do their census estimates once a year, but they um, obviously they can't do a full census. They just do estimates based on, you know, a sampling of people, and and I think – and I, I remember, too, during a lot of the Bakken conferences during the beginning, they were, you know, outside consultants were saying, you know, a normal community, if it grows 5% a year, that's a vibrant community. Like, that's a vibrant oh, yeah. community. If you grow 3 to 5% a year, your community's top-notch. So when the, when the Bakken boom happened, all these small towns were just getting totally inundated. And, of course, in western North Dakota, a lot of those roads – were only used a couple times a year by a combine, and that was exactly. it. And so yeah. there was an entire infrastructure rebuild, and all this other stuff would happen. In fact, I used to joke with the uh, former mayor of Watford City, who's now Lieutenant Governor Brent Sanford, about how you know it was okay for the kids to use porta potties in minus thirty degree weather because you know what everybody was cool with it, and nobody was getting up in arms because everybody kind of bit the bullet for a year. And maybe two years in some cases to put in some, you know, sewer and water and everything. But um, do you guys ever kind of take a step back and and kind of pat each other on the back as a community? Like, God, we did all this together, three hundred percent over ten years. That's like historically legendary. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. No. It's. Um, I mean, it, it's just interesting the way the way life turns out sometimes. I mean, the way. I- economics and uh, supply and demand and, and everything just kind of sometimes hit certain communities more than others. And, and yeah, no, I mean, four or five years ago it was. Um, there was a, quite a few infrastructure challenges, getting water here, um, getting uh, people and uh, trucks transported safely. But with, with the bypass we have around town, with uh, the new restaurants that have come in, with the new, uh, we're getting another elementary school starting construction now and with a third potentially within the next three years um the bonds have already been have already been voted on and approved by the voters for that and um and so yeah i know it's um it's sometimes yeah you take a step back and look at it and see the growth but then you look at the projections and it's like oh we've got more we've got more work to do and so we want to keep our eye on the ball i mean yeah it's good to celebrate successes but then just kind of keep moving forward because there's there's more work to be done with that growth happening, are you seeing any oil and gas companies, midstream companies, uh, putting their main office or maybe their satellite office or their Bakken regional office? Are you guys getting any of those offices? I know um, Minot, Williston, Dickinson, I'd even say Bismarck, historically has been where 
companies will go, you know, I'm, ta- I'm talking outside, of, you know, say more than 10 employees or something like that. Because a lot of the smaller towns had oil and gas service companies, but they were on the smaller side and, and everything along those lines. But is Watford City seeing any of that? I mean, with all this, all this growth is happening for a reason, but are, are some businesses of that kind of uh, uh, industry, you know, putting some brick and mortar up? Right. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, I think four or five years ago, it was like, oh, we have to, you know, locate in a town with with an airport that will accommodate our corporate jets and what have you. And um, and we've noticed that. And um, and we have our our airport is undergoing a twenty plus million dollar remodel in order to accommodate those corporate jets because the companies are saying they're realizing, no, we don't want to be two hours, three hours from where all the wells are. They need to be closer. And so you, um, you do see them. Um, Coming here, ConocoPhillips has a big office here, Whiting, uh, Oasis. Um, the One Oak is uh, continually putting in more and more gas plants and continually hiring more and more people in our community as well. And so, yeah, they're all kind of, okay, they want to be where the where the wells are. And so and now our community is able to accommodate those uh, those companies much better than they could four or five years ago. How about locally? You guys seen any new businesses pop up? I mean, um, it's been, you know, quite a growth. I mean, everything from pizza shops to clothing to, well, I don't know about clothing anymore. That's kind of tough with Amazon out there. But, uh, you know, I mean, a trampoline park I saw open up in Williston last year or earlier this year or something like that. So take this opportunity to mention a few of the local businesses that you've seen pop up and, and kind of add some spice to the community. Sure. If you look on our main street, it's it's um it's a pretty vibrant main street, and folks utilize it a lot with our with our restaurants. I mean, uh, you know, Aaron and Angie Pelton are entrepreneur uh, some restaurant entrepreneurs, and they started Stone Home Brewing here in Watford City, and then now they've opened a second location in in Bismarck, and they started Outlaws here in. Watford City, and now they have a second location in in Williston. And JL Beers, they have a JL Beers franchise. They have a Wild Cow Coffee Creamery, uh, Coffee and Creamery place. And yeah, no people uh, are looking to Watford City some for some of their restaurant uh, entertainment. Um, we've got a new burrito place, Burrito Brothers, that opened up. Uh, that's a brainchild of Nick Ybarra, the Mata Hay superstar, and uh, Ryan Siegfried, who's done a few restaurants here in Wofford City, the quick serve kind. And um, he's really got a pulse of the community and, and has his finger on what what the community is looking for in terms of of, of food options. So, so yeah, more and more we're continuing to get more and more restaurants and just kind of vibrant activities coming in. A lot of people listening to this program either are podcasting it in the oil and gas industry or they're probably listening on the radio in a oil and gas community. So uh, it um, impacts a lot of these different people when it comes to what events you have going on, uh, sure. say over the summer or wherever. I know that there's always barbecues and trade shows and yada yada type things. And and then there's also actually what the community has for events, that sort of thing. So uh, talk to me about maybe some uh, uh, mark your calendar for Watford City or McKenzie County this summer. Sure. 
Yeah, no, our Rough Rider Center has been a game changer in terms of being able to accommodate both our community in terms of sport. Mr. Daniel Stenberg, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Daniel Stenberg with the McKinsey County Job Development Authority right here on the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Week in Review. This week, we're spotlighting Brooks West, the singer-songwriter. Check his website out, brookswestmusic.com. That's brookswestmusic.com. This is singer-songwriter Brooks West. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Speece. From apartment to apartment, state to state, and it doesn't really matter where I go. There's only one place I could call my Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Up next, we continue the conversation with Daniel Stenberg, McKinsey County Job Development Authority, otherwise known as the Economic Developers for the Heart of the Bakken. Sure. Yeah, no, our Rough Riders Center has been a game changer in terms of being able to accommodate both our community in terms of sports, sporting activities, youth sports, hockey, volleyball, gymnastics, swimming. But then it also is bringing in just the opportunity to bring in visitors into our community and kind of new cool things like to this weekend on April 26th through the 28th, we're having our first ever first ever sports and rec show. And Terry Moe with the Rough Rider Center there is already sold out all of the facility, and he's looking to do some things outside to get to accommodate everybody who's wanting to exhibit at the sports and rec show. April 26th through the 28th, they're doing arch indoor archery tournament as well this weekend. But then we have our county fair, moving it up a little bit this year, June 13th through the 15th. Home Fest will be in July 12th and the 13th. Rib Fest will be Friday, August 9th. Rib Fest is 
probably the capstone event of, of all the activities. Last year we had 7,000 people on Main Street with a population of 8,000, um, and we got 7,000 people on Main Street. It's, uh, it's a pretty big deal. People like it's a free concert, and lots of people come and cook ribs and sell other type of foods, and it's just kind of a nice, fun festival atmosphere in the community. It keeps our Main Street nice and vibrant. So, so there's always lots of activities to be thinking about, but those are some of the some of the big ones that are coming up. How about housing? Uh, Single-family housing you've mentioned in the past as one of the things that is needed in the Bakken, despite the lack of in investment that's been going on in housing. So talk to me about that um, paradox, I guess, that uh, nobody seems to be investing in single-family housing, but you guys are looking for single-family housing. D- do I have that right? Yeah, yeah. No, we've had, <laughs> okay. Um, we've had some changes i mean at first kind of came all of the hotels you know four or five six years ago and then you know they got built out and you know they're actually probably at they're running full capacity on weekdays right now and so they might need some more but then apartments came in and they were able to build them up and then kind of the last piece of the puzzle for our, our housing piece is the single family housing and we've had some pretty big developments come in but when you get 300% population growth, you, you just need more housing because the folks that have been living in an apartment for two, you know, maybe two years have been sharing walls and have realized that, you know, they want to make Watford City their home. They have the kids in the school system and, and they're enjoying integrating. They just want to take the next, the next housing step and with single family housing. And so the McKinsey County Job Development Authority, we're working on a, on an incentive program to to get more single-family housing built. It's not going to solve all of our challenges um, or serve all of our needs, but we're just hoping that it will stimulate it a little bit. The county commission um, is going to be pushing a million dollars towards towards, um, getting more single-family housing built in McKinsey County, and all the details are still being worked out, but we're hoping to get that out within the next month or so, probably in May. So... Wrapping up here, Daniel Stenberg, uh, McKinsey County Economic Development Corporation. But what is the official name? It's uh, There's a JDA, right? It's a McKinsey sure. County JDA. What's the JDA? So JDA stands for Job Development Authority. Okay. And it's, um, it's through North Dakota Century Code that counties can establish a job development authority, and then they... They list out what what the responsibilities and the purview is of the job development authority, and then so I've got oh like eleven eleven highly respected community members on my board. They represent you know banking, legal, uh, utilities, um, various aspects of the community. That we come together once a month, and they kind of give me direction as to what we need to be working on. Mm-hmm. So, this is like this is basically like an economic development thing, right? As far as th- th- that goes, in terms of other yep. other communities, they might be called that or um, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. I just I, I do try to play somewhat of a journalist, so I try to get names and titles correct at least. You know, it's kind of <laughs> like spelling your name right on the ACT. It, you know, you should be able to do at least that. So I I just after I realized they introduced you McKinsey County Economic Development, I'm going no I, on that sheet I saw JDA, so I I didn't know if that was J E Dunn or what, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, that, who's obviously a, a common 
truck you see up in Watford City, Dickinson, and Williston. Um, so yep. anyway, but uh, kind of final thoughts here, wrapping up. Anything we missed? Anything we want to reiterate? Uh, any you know good chili recipes or anything like that? So uh, go ahead, sir. The floor is yours for final thoughts. Yeah, no, I mean I think we're in for a, um, a pretty brisk 2019. With um, I mean it's, we're continuing to have more babies being born uh, in our community, and that means just kind of that all of that stimulates everything else going up and so with the with the schools having their bonds passed that um is is a big deal and you know allows the school board authority to to make the decisions that they feel is right for for the kids and so we we really appreciate our community support for that and that was daniel stenberg with the mckinsey county job development authority to listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is The Crude Life Week in Review.
when I feel lost and separated And every step I take falls on foreign ground And I feel like going back to North Dakota Take a job and find a wife And finally settle down But right now I'm addicted to emotion And freedom that my selfish solitude provides And I'd hate to think that I'd become a stranger To the place where I was born Where my heart still resides Where the nighttime lights earth and light on the horizon Under the soft red glow of the wintertime sea clouds All the memories come falling down on me Every time I roll back to town Every time I roll back around Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. You can run from the wintertime in the midnight black. Cold coming up behind you, teeth in your neck. Slow on the road like the fingers of a ghost. Wind is Welcome back to the Bluegrass Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, Tessa Sandstrom with the North Dakota Petroleum Foundation. Tessa Sandstrom, North Dakota Petroleum Council. Outstanding. And here we got another example of how the oil and gas industry is saving the planet. And what's happening here is the North Dakota Petroleum Council planting trees. I mean, again, another example of where industry is actually being a part of the solution as opposed to just pointing fingers. So I'll get into that uh, extreme narrative in just a second, Tessa. But how are you doing? <laughs> I'm well. And you? Pretty good. We've just been out of, out of a... Uh, kick lately just saying how this is like a really unique time in the industry's history to where they can actually promote because they are the leaders in saving the planet they're the ones doing the investment they're the ones creating communities to plant trees and do a number of these environmental things that have been around for a long time and this is another one of those great examples uh, happening in the Bakken so uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, what's going on with planting of the trees courtesy of the North Dakota Petroleum Council. Uh, well, we started this program last year as a solution to a, sort of a unique challenge that one of our members were facing um, in, in building some of their pipeline infrastructure. They were, they were required by the PSC to plant two or three trees or shrubs for every one removed, and, and they've done this for a number of years. But uh, the landowners on whose land that the pipeline was crossing have 
had more than enough trees. Um, but with Ron and myself and many of our members being involved with outdoor groups like Mule Deer Foundation or Pheasants Forever or Pheasants for the Future and so on, we know many landowners who are looking for trees and want to plant huge um, plantings for habitat. And so we were able to serve as sort of a uh, tinder, so to speak, <laughs> for for landowners and trees, uh, match those trees up with landowners who needed them so they can make a real difference in creating um, nice, solid habitat. Did you say timber? Sorry. Had to... Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> timber, right? It's, it's, timber. it's, 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 for, it's for lumberjacks. Timber, right. And, uh, right. Okay. Uh, I'm looking at a CNN article from April 17th, the most effective way to tackle climate change, plant one trillion trees. You guys familiar with this article? You know about this movement to plant trees? You obviously were soothsayers in this whole movement, but no, it's been around for a long time. Everybody knows it. But talk to me about just the idea behind, you know, helping the environment and, and that sort of thing. Did how, how much of this sort of climate change is, is involved with that? Well, it really is more of a solution for what we were facing here in North Dakota is not exactly known for its trees, um, but we are a, a state that really holds its traditions of hunting and being in the outdoors very, very close and very dear. Um, and so we were definitely dedicated to trying to create more habitat for, for wildlife, but it definitely does have other um, very positive um, aspects associated with it as well uh, in terms of, taking more of that carbon dioxide out, helping the environment. Um, and so it's been accepted really well by both landowners and our member companies. We planted our goal through the Outdoor Heritage Fund was to plant 55,000 trees in three years. We did 58,000 trees last year alone. And uh, this year we have plans to plant about another 30,000 trees. Have you guys seen any other uh, positive outshoots uh, you mentioned? Because... You, just a second ago, you say, you know, that kind of the drive was more for the wildlife and just that sort of thing. And then, you know, yeah, we're taking care of the CO2 problem as an offshoot and that sort of thing. Are there any other ones? You know, it's, it's relatively new. It's two years now. So, I mean, are there other positives that you're seeing or even maybe a few? I can't imagine a negative, but if, if there's any negatives, feel free to say what those are and how you guys are addressing them or at least aware of them, that sort of thing. Maybe somebody's got a solution, but uh, talk to me just a little bit about the processing that you guys have had now for two years. Uh, well, we, like I mentioned, we started it last year and we opened up for um, applications. Landowners who want to do these plantings can apply. Uh, they fill out their application. We review it based on, you know, how it's going to help with the habitat, making sure it's large enough, if it's in areas that truly need it, and also a plus side if it's in an area where there is oil and gas development to help curb some of the impacts that we've had with the construction of in, uh, infrastructure and, and you know, just the expansion of activity out there. Um, after that, we chose landowners. We worked with them. The unique part about this program versus others is we asked the landowner to um, buy in, have a stake in the project by bringing out volunteers, helping with some of the costs, making sure those trees are going to thrive and make it for at least three years. Uh, it's about how long it takes for them to really, those trees to really take and, and grow. Um, and so with that leverage, with that extra help, we're actually able to plant trees for as little as 250 per tree. And that means we're able to plant even more than you might in a more traditional program that you have through 
um, other organizations that do tree planting programs. Tessa Sandstrom with the North Dakota Petroleum Council. And this is the North Dakota Petroleum Foundation. That's different than the council? Yep, we started the foundation um, late last year. We have so many programs now that are involved in the community, and we wanted to make sure to keep those separate. We are now a 501c3, so um, we can accept donations. Um, It's a lot easier for us to get corporate donations that way and really help make a better impact in, in that way. So, okay, so it's the North Dakota Petroleum Foundation. Sorry, I've been saying council. Um, nope, it's, it's, it's brand new, so it's different. Okay, good. It's, it's, I, I don't want to say it's the same thing, but it is an offshoot, and it's kind of under the umbrella. Yep. yep. Okay, Okay. so uh, what? Uh, what? What? I, I see where this is going to be really beneficial for reclamation and some other uh, oil and gas, you know, just ongoing things that they're always trying to improve, reclamation, of course, being one of them. Uh, are you working with any companies that you care to share, um, just in, anybody involved, or just talk to me about uh, some of the people that you guys are targeting and some of the people that you're working with and just some of those types of uh, information so people kind of, I don't know, okay, you know how people are when they network. They don't like to call the people directly necessarily, but if they know someone who knows someone, they'll start that way. So just start the conversation how we know how in North Dakota. <laughs> Uh, well, we've we've had a lot of buy-in from our uh, member companies already. One Oak and Whiting uh, gave quite a bit last year to pro, to uh, plantings that we did throughout the state. This year, Slauson is a big donor in helping us with a project around Van Hook uh, Fishing Resort up on Lake Sakakawea. Conoco recently just gave us $5,000 for the program, and we have probably about a dozen other sponsors who have contributed $500 uh, for this campaign. Um, this is the first year that we've done a fundraiser, so we launched that today, uh, Earth Day, and we'll go through Arbor Day to try and raise some money to help with those plantings for this year, those 30,000 trees that we're, we plan to plant this year. And that was Tessa Sandstrom with the North Dakota Petroleum Foundation. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. We'd also like to invite you to be part of our group of energy enthusiasts. Join our social media accounts, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. We have them all. Go to thecrudelife.com and click on the social media tab. That's thecrudelife.com and click on the social media tab. That's going to do it this week from the Crude Life Week in Review. I'd like to thank Tessa Sandstrom from the North Dakota Petroleum Foundation, Daniel Stenberg with the McKinsey County Job Development Authority, and William Prentice, the CEO of the Meridian Energy Group. Thank you much for joining us here on the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies asking you to keep calm and frack on. Peace, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts.
and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 